I'm going to turn over. You're about to sit down. I'm going to turn over to Keith. Let him start us with a prayer, and then we will get into our class time. So thank you for joining us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for an opportunity to study your word, to open your scripture, to learn more, to help us live more closely to you and more like Jesus. Thank you for men like Will and for Nancy who so eloquently teach and speak your word. Father, we just pray that you'll bless our time together this morning. Father, we want to offer a special prayer now for all those who have been uh, impacted by the COVID virus. Just continue to work in their lives and heal them. Father, and especially we want to uh, give you a, a big thank you for Marsha Cunningham's improvement over, overnight this past night. Thank you for her kidney function coming back. Thank you for the way that the fluids are leaving her body. Thank you for just the healing and the, the strength, the ability to get up, the ability to feel better uh, is happening for her. Father, continue to be with her and help this heart transplant that she's been through to continue to go well. Father, there are many others that are on our hearts, the self family and others. We pray that you will bless them at this time as well. And now, just bless us as we spend time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Keith. And uh, thank you for joining us, whether uh, you are here with us uh, in the room or whether you're joining us online. We really appreciate you joining us. And uh, we have quickly gone from... Uh, the cream of the crop with our lesson from Nancy to the bottom of the barrel with uh, having to listen to me for a little while. So um, I uh, do appreciate you joining us. I know w whatever you're feeling right now, I'll tell you one of the things I love about teaching is the interaction, right? And so I'm actually I'm looking at, at some, some here going, man, I'm thankful we got somebody here and can get some feedback and interaction. And, and you, maybe you're at home and, and you love the interaction too and you're missing that right now. And I'm not sure where to look. I guess there's a camera somewhere out there. Um, but, uh, but whatever you're feeling in this season, know that it's okay. Uh, it, it, this is a hard time. And so uh, I feel like I just kind of got slapped over this last week with all this stuff going on. And it just, it, it seems to get more and more real. And, and uh, you know, we, we get ready to get, get past it and get through it and get over it. And there is... Um, there's just always something. So I, I thought, what a, what a fitting thing for us to look at this morning. We're going to look at um, Mark chapter 5, if I can get open up to it. And uh, I'm going to try to adjust this thing real quick. There we go. Uh, so Mark chapter, we're actually going to start in Mark chapter 4 and then get into Mark chapter 5. And you could also uh, follow, along, follow along in... Matthew chapter 8 if you wanted to, or Luke chapter 8, um, but th this is, there's a, a series of stories here that I want us to look at, and um, kind of uh, tying into what Nancy talked about, about this leaving triumph, and being tested, and how quickly we forget, and how quickly we need to be reminded of who God is, and more than who He is, of the fact that He is with us, He's right here with us, and so whether you're in a recliner right now, um, under a blanket, or whether you're out on a deck, or whether you're in, in another country, or whether you're right here in this room, um, God is with us, and he, he meets us where we are. And I love that, that idea of God testing and then teaching. Oh my goodness, that was phenomenal, and uh, what, what an eye-opener for me. So, uh, so I want to start out... I, we're going to look at a passage, but I want to start out with a quote, and I did this in class a few Wednesday nights ago. Dean and I are teaching a class together on Wednesday nights, and we referenced the movie Gladiator. Anybody seen the movie Gladiator? 
we got a few Russell Crowe stars in this movie. It takes place in ancient Rome. And he, I won't go through the whole story, but anyways, he, he ends up in the Colosseum fighting these gladiators, and he ends up in a battle that they are supposed to lose. And I won't tell you who wins or loses, but I'll tell you this, this moment that starts, and then I'm going to add to his words. I'm going to add to his quote a little bit. But, but they get pushed out into the middle of the Colosseum, and, and there's a big gate that's about to open, and they don't know what is going to come out of this gate. He's got about 20... I'm going to guess about 20 guys with him, and they're, they're grouped up, and they're nervous, and they, they know they're about to be slaughtered. I mean, they're just brought out there for entertainment purposes. And so Russell Crowe, the, the gladiator, says, has anyone served in the Army? Has anyone got, got military experience? And a couple of guys were, we do, I did, this and that. And, and then he says these words. He says, we have a better chance of survival if we stick together. He says, whatever comes out of those gates, we have a better chance of survival if we stick together. And I thought, you know, in this time that we're in right now, we can stick together. Maybe not physically, right? Maybe we can't be as together physically as we would like to be, but we have a better chance of survival if we don't let this isolation, this quarantine, this different way of life, if we don't let it tear us apart. But the other thing I, I thought of the, to add to that is this, and we're going to do this this morning, but we have a better chance of survival if we stick together and keep our eyes on Jesus, right? Isn't that what we do as a church? Isn't that what we do as individuals is that we keep our eyes on Jesus? And so we're going we're gonna to put our eyes on Jesus for a few minutes this morning. But I just thought of that, that scene and thought, we've got to stick together and we've also got to look at the right place. And so, um, can I get this thing to behave the way I want it to? But that's okay. So uh, I'm going to start in Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 4. And start reading verse 35, and this is a story that, that some of you may be familiar with, and this is one that I just keep going back to. So, uh, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Just picture this, and I'm, I'm in Mark chapter 4, towards the end of the chapter, just picture this boat nearly swamped, and I found, found a reference to a Galilean fishing boat, and it kind of gave me, a, and I'm, I'm a visual guy, I like to see things, and so we're, we're talking about a boat based on, on boats they've found in that area, on remnants, on, on ancient artifacts, probably a 26-foot boat, 26-and-a-half-foot boat. Now, if you, any guys are bass fishermen, I, I don't know, I don't have a bass boat, but I'm thinking a bass boat is probably like a 21, a nice bass boat, 21, 22-foot boat that two or three, I mean, I, you know, my buddies that bass fish, they get two, maybe three people in the boat to fish, and then they're like, oh, that's, that's getting crowded, we got to get another boat. We're talking about a 26 and a half foot boat that 15 men would have been in together, eight or nine feet wide. I mean, this is not a real large boat. It would have had a sail. You didn't have a, you didn't have a 225 horsepower motor on the back. You didn't have, a, I, I was out with a, with a friend last summer on a bass boat, and he has a trolling motor on the front of his boat. It's the little one that lets you kind of move along slowly and fish along the bank. But he had a button he could press on his trolling motor that would keep that boat from moving. If you found a spot you really wanted to fish and didn't want to move, you know, you've got the wind. You don't realize it on the water, but you're always moving a little bit. And then all of a sudden you look up, you go, oh, I thought we were over there, and now we're over here. He had a button that he could press, and the current and the wind, it would take all that into account, and it would keep that boat in the exact right spot right where he wanted. I, I was amazed by, I mean, the technology in that is just amazing. And I'm getting off track here. I'm talking, you know, anyways. 
So they're in this boat, 26-foot boat, let's say. Maybe it was 30 feet. I don't know, but it's a small boat. You could picture a little wooden boat. No bigger than this stage up here. And the water is coming in. They're swamped. The waves are going everywhere. And Jesus was in the stern. You've heard this story probably. If you haven't, I'm sorry. It's a good one, so pay, pay attention. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Imagine that. Sound asleep. And this, and this will, you know, one of the big things this will talk about is how tired Jesus, think about his humanity. I mean, he just always had people wanting something, needing something, asking something, or in, in some cases, people trying to argue with him and say, you're not who you say you are, and all these. He had people coming at him from all different directions, all different angles, with all different sorts of requests and things. And so he is tuckered out, and he's asleep in this boat. And the disciples woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? They're panicked. They're scared. I mean, there's a squall. There's waves. There's wind. There's all these things. So he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. I mean, if you can just picture this, this is one of my favorite miracles that he does. And it's not really a big one, but at the same time, I mean, just imagine, I, I love to watch storms come in. I, I don't know about you and I may just be weird, but there's just something about when it's nice, and then you look over, and the sky is just, you know, that dark gray, almost black color, and you just kind of, you, oh, it's coming. Here it comes. And, you, and so you get inside, or you get on the porch, you get wherever, and you, there's just something about watching it come in, and the wind starts to blow a little bit, and the temperature starts to drop a little bit, and you feel that first drop of rain, and then it can just get nasty. And so it's just, I mean, it's nasty, and Jesus just, in an instant, makes it go away. So he says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And so I think about that, what Nancy talked about, going from triumph, going from everything being good to the testing, right? To the desert, to the wilderness. And the disciples experienced this. And, and I would have been doing the same thing, I'm sure. I would have been, I, I, this is not, there's some stories where I kind of point at the disciples and I go, they just didn't get it. They didn't know who they were with. But I think I would have been right there with them. I would have probably woke Jesus up before them and said, hey, let, let's, what's going on? Help us out here. So I, I can totally get on board with them in this story. It, you know, sometimes I point the finger and go, they just, how did they not know after seeing what Jesus had done? But this is one where I think I would have been right there with them. And, uh, but obviously God isn't going to let anything happen to his son. He's not going to try. I mean, we, we, we have, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. We can read the story and, and know, well, of course Jesus isn't going to drown in, in the sea. Of course that's not going to happen. Of course nothing is going to happen to him. But, uh, but this was a moment of testing for them, a moment where they forgot, a moment where they needed to be taught. And, and we oftentimes have those same moments. Uh, I'm experiencing that now. I feel like probably a lot of us can say we are with all the, I mean, I could just, it's funny because when we first started, I referenced this class earlier, but Dean and I are teaching a class on Wednesday nights, and we started, I guess, in September. And the first night we started, we made a list on the board of different, uh, different things that we are, you know, experiencing right now as a culture, as, as people, as a society, as a world, really, as a race. And, and there was a long list of things that we made. And if you would have told me that list was going to get longer, I would have thought, there's no way that list can get any longer. But it seems like it just keeps getting longer and longer. Um, and we're going, Jesus, wait, you know, wake up. Where are you? What's going on? And uh, 
you know, Jesus is, he's there. He's with us. We got to keep our eyes on him. So this, this, I love this, I wanted to get this story, and I, I, I have to admit that um, I was thinking, you know, after this story, I really want to talk about the story where Jesus encounters this, this demon-possessed man. Now, where is that? Where is that story at? And I was ready to start searching through my Bible, and I realized it's in Mark chapter 5. It's literally the very next thing that happens is the next story I wanted to go to. So um, funny how that sometimes that works out. But so we've got the story where Jesus calms a storm. He shows his power over nature, right? He shows his power over this world, this cosmos, this, this world that we live in. Now we're about to encounter a man who is demon-possessed. And I don't want to get into all the details right now. We'll, we'll read about it. But he shows his power over the, over demons, his power in spiritual warfare, his, his power there. And then after that, I don't know that we'll get to this today, but after that, he is on his way to raise a dead girl and he hear, heals a sick woman. You may remember the story of the woman who had been bleeding for years and reaches out and grabs his cloak and she's healed. And then he gets to, to the house to heal this man's daughter and everybody says, oh, you, you can't heal her, she's already dead. And he says, well, just get out of the way and let me do what I do. And he Raises her, and so he, so Jesus here in, in the end of Mark chapter four through Mark chapter five shows his power over so many things. And I think if there's ever been a time that we need to be reminded of that, uh, maybe it's right now. And so uh, so let's let's relax in the boat if we can for a minute. Take a deep breath. Like I said earlier, you're you're at home. You're somewhere. You're 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 not here in class where you normally would be. Um, and life is different right now than it typically is and it, it feels like a storm it feels like waves are crashing in the boat it does for me at least and I just have to be reminded just have faith have faith so Mark chapter 5 verse 1 they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes and when Jesus got out of the boat a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him he came from the tombs this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. This is a scary guy right here. This is, and, and if you're here and you want to make a comment, by the way, let me know at any time and we can get this, we can get this mic passed around or you can you can make a comment and then I can let others who are streaming know what you said I can relay that so feel free to jump in like I said one of the things I love about teaching is interaction and discussion and all that stuff but um so I'll, I'll try to give some some opportunities for that but so scary looking guy here in Mark chapter 5 he lives in the tombs there's a I can't remember if it was Matthew or Luke says that he would cut himself with stones he, he literally at one point had been assigned guards and he would break the chains and the guards couldn't do anything and it says people couldn't even pass that way people would go a different way to get to where they were going because they didn't want to encounter this guy so when he saw Jesus from a distance just think, just think about this picture of this guy scary I'm not going near him I don't know Keith and Mark maybe maybe y'all are like yeah that's not a problem bring him on right yeah I'll give him his I'm not going near this guy I'm going the other I'm if he's over there I'm going over there um but Jesus shows up, and when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. 
For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Now, I'm not an expert on demons. I'm not an expert on spiritual warfare. But just from what we read here, this is a pretty, pretty serious situation. This man is possessed. This, this demon has some strength, has some power. It makes him strong enough that he can break chains. No one wants to be near him. He's isolated. I mean, this demon has, has, is literally taking this guy's life away. And that's what Satan wants, is, is to, to tear us down. And we see it right here. And we see how that changes when Jesus shows up. We see how that changes when Jesus is invited in. And we see this demon beg Jesus. So a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside, and the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Now the story gets interesting, and I, I always try to put myself in, in the story, right? I mean, that's what I love about stories, is I try to put myself in there and we're about to meet some some new characters in the story that I guess I, maybe I would have fit in with them if I were in this story I don't know I hope I wouldn't be the one possessed with the chains living in the tombs I, I certainly wouldn't be Jesus maybe I was in the boat with the disciples and I was the one that was scared when the storm came and I would have been the one also getting back in the boat when the boat landed on the shore and saying Jesus this this guy's crazy over here we got to get back in the boat and go over there and Jesus says no no we're, we're here for this this is why I'm here but here's the characters where maybe the, those tending the pigs in verse 14, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what happened. I mean, they got out of there. They were watching their pigs, and their pigs ran down and drowned. They said, we're out of here. This story just, you know, they're, they're probably they're trying to stay away from the man in the tombs, right? But now they're trying to stay away from this guy who just showed up and showed that he has dominion and power over the man in the tombs. And now they're going, we're just, we're out of here, right? We're gone. So when the people, when they came to Jesus, this is talking about the people from town that came back, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed. By the way, I don't think it was Mark, but, but somebody tells us that he had no clothes on. Now he's dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Anybody feel afraid? There's, uh, yeah. It's a real thing. It's okay to be afraid. They were afraid because of what they had seen. I lost my place here. Let me find it. So those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told him about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. I know, again, that we, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. We have the, the, the gift that we have... We've read the story. We know the story. We know the story we live in today. And so we can go, how, how could you ask Jesus to leave? But he was scary. In fact, I, I kind of this morning as I was just taking everything in and thinking about how different things are, I thought about a story I hadn't thought about in a long time, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And there's a quote in there that I love. And, uh, you know, Mr. Mr. Beaver's reading to, to these children and she says, oh, I want to meet Aslan. And then she finds out he's a lion. And she says, he's a lion. Is he safe? Safe? Who said anything about safe? 
said Mr. Beaver. Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I thought, when I think of this story, I thought, man, Jesus can be scary, right? He's the lion. But he's safe. He's good. He's the king. He's safe for those of us who are followers of him. I think, I, you know, we're the sheep. We need the shepherd. We need the lion. We need the king. And, uh, and this story just kind of reminds me of that. Uh, so they're pleading with Jesus to, to leave their region. And we're pleading with Jesus, don't leave us right now. We, we actually need you more than we've ever needed you. So as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. This guy's going, Jesus, you've changed my life. Let me go with you. And I love what Jesus does. Jesus did not let him. He, I mean, think about all the people. Jesus goes around through the gospel saying, come follow me. And there are people sometimes that give excuses. Well, I've got to bury my father. I've got to do this. Or I've got a field I've got to take care of. There's always an excuse, right? And finally, we've got somebody who doesn't make an excuse. He's saying, Jesus, let me go with you. And Jesus doesn't let him. What in the world? He said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. Just think about that. Jesus is saying, I need you to go witness to the people that you know, to your family, to your community to the people that know you, to the people that recognize you. Think about what a difference that would have made for people who knew this guy. Oh, that's, man, that's, that, that's the guy. Is that the crazy guy? Is that the demon-possessed guy? Is that the guy that they can't even chain up? Is that the guy who, I mean, he doesn't know Jesus. You know, think about the difference that would have made when people saw that change in him. And Jesus knew, you don't need to be with me. You need to be there. You need to witness and uh, so I want to share one of my favorite passages and um, flip over to it in Philippians chapter 1. And the, the reason I love this passage has maybe changed a little bit, if I'm honest. Um, but I've always loved this verse. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. I want to read it rather than just, just quote it to you, but it says this. Whatever happens... And, and other verses say, other versions say, no matter what, right? And I love that Paul starts this verse out with an absolute statement. It's not like, hey, most of the time, or hey, sometimes, and then, hey, every once in a while, or hey, if you can, right? He doesn't say if you can, if you're able, or when you feel like it, or most of the time. He says, whatever happens, no matter what, every single time, in any situation, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, right? Whatever happens, right now there's a lot happening. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I, I, I don't, and we could read the rest of that verse and get into what he's talking about. And he talks about in chapter 2, not long after this, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, fellowship with the spirit, tenderness and compassion. He, he goes on this long list, but, but I love what he says in this verse, whatever happens. I go back to that scene from Gladiator, whatever comes out of that gate, whatever comes after us, whatever situation we find ourselves in, conduct yourselves in a manner 
worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, there was a time where I kind of used this verse to say, okay, there's no excuse to sin, right? I mean, this was, you could definitely go in a legalistic direction with this verse, right? You know, we, we just have no excuse to do bad things. I don't think that's what Paul's saying here. Think about this man whose life was completely changed by an encounter with Jesus on the shore. He came out of the tombs and Jesus changed his life and Jesus said, I want you to go witness to your family and your friends and your community. And I think right now, in 2020, when Thanksgiving is not going to look like it normally does, when Dean's Connections class looks nothing like it normally does, I, I mean, Dean looks a lot better than I do, so there's that for starters, um, but nothing looks like it's supposed to. And Paul's saying, witness, right? Witness. Let's show people what it looks like to be changed by Jesus Christ. We have an opportunity with our families, with our friends, in our communities, to live in a way during a, a time where nothing is normal, to live in a way that shows people what it looks like to follow Jesus. And I think that is an amazing opportunity. I don't want to sugarcoat what we're going through, right? Don't, I don't mean, oh, it's all just fine, let's pat ourselves on the back and go, no, it, it, this is real, and this is hard. These are, these are strange times, but we have an opportunity. We don't get to use it as an excuse. Right? Well, you know, if things were normal, I would, I mean, I would do the Jesus thing. If things were normal, I wouldn't talk like this. If things were normal, I would live the way I normally live. But since it's like this, I'm going to do, no, this is, this is maybe our greatest moment to witness to what we really believe. And so, uh. I hope you take some encouragement from that. Again, that's not, a, that's not a, a guilt thing, right? That's not, well, you better do it the right way right now. That, that's not at all what I'm saying. But that, this is an opportunity for us to bring glory in a way that we don't normally get the opportunity to do. And I think that's, that's something special for us to, to be able to recognize and think about. So any comments? Anybody just dying to, uh, to share something here? Not everybody at once. This, this is an opportunity for, for us to give him glory, thank you, for us to give him glory in a way that we don't normally have the chance to do, right? I mean, there, there are times, and, and so Nancy said she liked my statement about, about giving God glory in this time, and, and that was just not necessarily something I thought of ahead of time, but, but isn't it an opportunity? And we all have those moments in our lives, right, whether it's dealing with loss, whether it's dealing with failure, whether what, whatever it is. Where and, and we can view it as, you know, poor me, I can't believe this happened, or we can view it as, okay, this is, this is a chance to bring glory to God. And so, so thank you for, for asking about that. Absolutely, I think this is, this is a, a chance to bring Him glory and for people to see it when they normally wouldn't. Normally we'd just be going about our normal thing and we'd be busy, right? I'm so busy getting ready for a family coming in town, the house has got to look good, this, that, everything else, i got to do errands and shop. And, uh, and this is a chance for us to go, okay, things look different. But let's make sure we give him glory, Mark.
Definitely. So, so Mark pointed out, if you're, if you're streaming and, and can't hear, that it's an interesting how you go back to, I guess, March when this whole virus thing hit and thought, all right, well, you know, we'll get through this. And then some, kind of felt like we had we'd seen improvements, we're getting through it, and now all of a sudden it almost feels back to square one, or maybe for me it feels almost worse than it has been. And, and Mark made the, the correlation between the disciples in this boat with this storm feeling like, oh my goodness, this is terrible, we're going to drown. And now they feel safe. And, and think about how Mark points out how, how good it would have felt to walk on that shore, right? Ooh, I'm not getting back in that boat. I'm on the shore where it's safe. And then all of a sudden, this ultra crazy guy comes out of the tombs. And all of a sudden, wait, let me back in the boat. Where'd that boat go? And so we're feeling that, right? I mean, we are feeling that of, okay, things are bad. Oh, things are better. Things are, oh, it's good. Oh, it's bad. Oh, what's going on? And, and in the middle of that, we got people we're praying for, which Nancy did a beautiful job of just lifting up names this morning. Um, of, of people we're praying for, and there's people out there that, that God knows about. And um, so we're in the middle of all that. And I love that, that Jesus, yeah, he could have said, yeah, guys, let's get back in the boat. I didn't, <laughs> I won't have, this guy is crazy. Um, but he didn't do that. And he doesn't do that with us. Whatever pain, whatever hurt, whatever fear, whatever struggles, whatever we have, Jesus comes to us. One of the one of the times I remember hearing a lesson on this man at the tombs, this demon possessed man, and uh, and it was at a sort of a, a youth conference, and the guy compared the way the brokenness that that we see in this this demon possessed man to the brokenness that we oftentimes see in young people, right, in our youth groups, in our teenagers. But I would say right now, let's let's not stop it right there because we see it in all of us, don't we? It's all of us, and, and we're, we're all, I think we all in some way or another can relate to this man. There's some kind of wound, there's some kind of cut, there, there's some kind of fear, there's some kind of anger, there's something, there's something we're wounded and we're trying to overcome, and Jesus shows up, and he heals that in us. Yes, sir, Keith. Keith said, if you can't hear it, that this is a really good time to bring up the hope of the gospel. And it, it really is. I mean, you can't say that any better because at a time when our, our country, and it, I mean, we, we could talk about politics, we could talk about economy, we could talk about health, we could talk about so many things that are up in the air, right? There's question marks everywhere, but there's one thing we have, there's no question, there's no doubt. And when we can share that with people, and we can say, I'm not worried, because I've got Jesus with me in the boat. And people go, wow, I never thought about that. So, Aaron, did you have a comment?
Very, very good observation. Aaron said, just imagine, going back to the story, 2,000 pigs running into the water and drowning. And he said, just imagine this man having 2,000 voices in his head telling him how terrible he is and torturing him and trying to make him feel small. And, and, and just to, to imagine how that would have felt. But then imagine, imagine how powerful that legion of demons was. And then imagine how quickly Jesus subdued and showed control and healed and how he can do that for us. So um, we'll, we'll kind of wrap up. I got one other, one other story real quick that I'll share that's, and, and that I thought about sharing if we had time. Um, it just kind of came, came to my mind as I was sitting back there this morning just watching and, and thinking on things and working through all this. And I remember several years ago uh, watching a football game on a Saturday night. I was getting ready to preach the next morning. And I'm watching this football game, and um, it, I believe it was Oregon versus TCU in a bowl game on maybe New Year's Eve or something like that, or maybe I don't sometime that time of year, that bowl season. You know when bowl season is, and if there's a football game on every day, there's five, six games or whatever. And I'll, I'll always remember this: Oregon, the first half it was all Oregon, and they go into halftime up 31 to nothing. I mean, they have just absolutely made TCU look like garbage. They're winning 31 nothing. I don't know what happened in the locker room at halftime. I wasn't there. I didn't get to hear it. I didn't get to see it. I didn't get to, I, I, I mean, I, man, if I could go back in time, that'd be a cool place to go, to go into that locker room of TCU at halftime. Because TCU came out in the third and fourth quarter and worked to tie the score at 31-31 at the end of the fourth quarter. They kicked a last-minute field goal to tie the game up. And they went on to win in overtime. And again, I, I don't know what changed. I don't know what happened. But they go from 31-0. I mean, they just might as well have not showed up for the first half. And they came back and won in overtime. And I don't remember, what, I don't, I don't remember exactly what the, the passage was I was preaching on the next day. But I know that story got talked about. And, and I remember talking about how God loves being down 31 nothing, doesn't he? I mean, we have a God of the underdog. I mean, if there's ever, you know, taking people from captivity, right, out into the desert, right, where they've got an ocean on one side and an army on the other. I mean, you talk about being down 31 nothing. Um, he knows how to handle that. He knows how to deal with that. Uh, you know, these stories this morning deal with the same thing. You talk about disciples who are going, wow, there's no way out of this. How are we going to get through this? And uh, there, there may be some of us that are feeling a little bit of, is there a way out of this? Is there a way to get through this? What do we do, right? Feeling of hopelessness maybe? And going back to what Keith said, we have the gospel of hope. We have hope in Jesus. And so I just want to encourage everyone this morning to hang in there. Again, not to sugarcoat what's going on, but just to say we've got the gospel of hope. We've got the Lord of power over everything and nothing can separate us from that so let, let's bow and we'll close with a word of prayer God we thank you so much for the words we read God we thank you for the stories and the way they teach us we thank you for Nancy's lesson this morning for her reminders for her talk about triumph and testing, and teaching, and the way that you do that, God. 
Help us to see that and understand that. Help us to remember we don't have all the answers, but you do. We don't have the power, but you do. And so, God, we submit. We submit ourselves to you, God. We ask you for mercy. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your wisdom and strength, God, during this time. And we thank you so much for bringing us together so that we can experience that. God, please be with us this week. Please be with all those who are sick, all those who are hurting. And God, we pray that, that we could continue to find ways to bring you glory and honor during this time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.